The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SG on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by PickWise. PickWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks. Visit PickWise.com to make your next bet better. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. SGPN is giving you a chance to win $100,000 NFL Week 1 exclusively on the SGPN app. One week closer to the regular season of the NFL. Man, preseason is coming to a close quickly. Maybe not quick enough for most of us, but I'm telling you right now, the content hot and heavy as we gear up toward draft season. Look at most people are, are about to draft this weekend. This is the drafting. What is it? The national day of drafting begins this weekend. And so everybody's going to be out there kicking it with their drafts, hopefully live. Hopefully you guys are all doing it in a safe manner and being able to get together and, and and draft safely but look there's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of injuries and we've just saw one that's not even on this board because it's so fresh that we have to i mean i don't know if we're going to talk about it we may talk a little bit about it but uh we do we are aware that etn is hurt so if he's not covered on this show just understand that we know that he's hurt so leading into that why am I saying this, Rod? Well, because we're talking about fantasy-relevant injuries as the show is titled, and we have our own fantasy football doc on the show. He is Sebastian Ferron. Sebastian, welcome to the team, buddy, and welcome to the show. No, oh, I appreciate it, man. Happy to be here. Happy to talk some injuries, you know, be a part of the team. Let's get it going. Absolutely. So listen, every good, every good organization has somebody that can speak the language of injury. And this guy is it for us. And uh, we're not even going to have a scorekeeper for this one. You know why? Because we are here to inform you today. We are not here to debate. We're here to tell you ahead of time before your drafts, who to stay away from, who to be careful with as these injuries are taking shape uh, and coming up to the, to the week, first opening week of the year so all right sebastian the show works like this we're still keeping it three minutes uh per player but we're going to break it down we're going to go exactly uh by who's in your article first of all and then a few more that you had to throw in there so uh again still three minutes still kicking it down and uh, we just want to know we just want to get everybody informed uh as far as en- uh injuries are concerned so you all good with the rules yeah, did you want to lead in with uh, ETN? You just want to do a little uh, quick one? You know what? Off? Yeah, let's do a quick hit on ETN. Let, let's do a quick three-minute hit on ETN. We're going to get you bonus today. You're getting bonus. So, um, <laughs> But first of all, when you hear this sound, because I always forget to lead in with that. That's 30 seconds. When you hear this noise, time is up. So let's get a little bonus ETN in. Sebastian, what can you tell us about what just happened with Travis ETN? Yep, so as many of y'all saw last night, uh, ETN, you know, the injury itself is called a midfoot sprain. Yeah, that's a Liz Frank injury is also what it's called. Basically what that is is there's a ligament uh, in your foot that helps support your arch. 
And, you know, these timelines were super variable. So last night we saw a lot of, you know, speculation about he's in a boot. What does this mean? And, you know, there's guys that could come back from this in a couple weeks. There's some, as we're seeing with ETN, that unfortunately it's season ending. So they found the ligament to be torn. His foot's basically unstable. means you really can't walk on it. Definitely can't play football on it. So, you know, the Jags decided his surgery is the route to go, ending his season before it really even got going. And that's tough because there's a lot of folks that were so high on him. I see so many people now with, uh, especially Scott Fishbowl drafts, uh, best ball drafts that you, and look, this is why they say, especially in redraft, never draft until the last preseason game is over because this is the same. This is the reason folks, if you're doing dynasty, I guess if you're doing best ball to a certain extent, that's one thing, but boy, if you are drafting now or you drafted two weeks ago for redraft, this hurts a lot of teams. So is it fire up James Robinson, Sebastian? What are we doing with this information? Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta look somewhere else. He's, you know, his season's done. It's unfortunate. There's, there was little talks about maybe bringing him back, but I mean, I don't anticipate the Jags being good at all. It just doesn't make sense. You just spent a first round draft pick on this kid. You're not going to try to bring him back for the last couple of days. Yep. So, I mean, James Robinson, he's going to be looking to get some time. You know, I think this bumps up guys like uh, Chenault, uh, Jones, because they thought about, you know, ETN using him in the slot a little bit as well. So it's full go with James Robinson and some of those other guys there. And for those of you that were on James Robinson uh, early in the season, kudos to you uh, for hanging tight on your, I mean, of course, you never can actually predict an injury and say that that's going to be the reason. But I mean, I still thought James Robinson had some value despite ETN being there. I, I mean, you can't ignore a guy as talented as James Robinson just because you draft a rookie in the first round. So to me, again, if you if you pick James Robinson up and you didn't have ETN, kudos to you. But if you had ETN and you had the foresight to grab Rob, uh, uh, Robinson afterwards, then super kudos to you because you got a good handcuff that now becomes the starter. So um, what does this mean for him missing a rookie season with this? Is this something you can hop back from easily in your sophomore year or what? Yeah, I mean, so, that, you know, once it's a long rehab process, but it's one of those things where, you know, once it gets repaired with surgery and he does through all the rehab, which he'll have, you know, plenty of time throughout the season and next offseason, it's not something that, you know, puts him at risk or he's not going to get going or something like that. And it's definitely unfortunate, you know, uh, heart goes out to the kid, but. It's not something that should affect his future going forward. It's so tough, man. It's tough to have all that hype and then to just go out in the second preseason game. I know there's a lot of folks who don't like the preseason for this very reason, but then, you know, you get some sloppy play in those first couple of weeks, and then people complain that they're sloppy play in the first couple of weeks. So can't please everybody, right? It's a tough time, you know. It could be the best and worst of times. We're all jacked up for football, and then, oh, geez, you know, you're watching your team like, please, please, no one get injured. So. <laughs> The whole time holding your breath. Speaking of getting injured, we're going to move on to the list now because we had to give you that breaking news. Had to. That's what we do here at SGPN. Um, let's move on. Kenny Galladay, right? I mean, we all know that he is, I guess for the lack of a better phrase now, tagged with the injury-prone tag. Um, he moves over to his new team. What type of value are we going to get? I know that uh, in your article, which you definitely need to check out on the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, website, you told us to stay away from him, but I want to know why are we staying away from Kenny Galladay, especially in redraft, Sebastian? Yeah, I mean, this one, you know, Rod, it's definitely tough because this one hits close to home. As a Giants fan, I was all amped about Galladay, and geez, you know, 
I knew the injury history, but I tried to be naive and not let it come back up. And here it is. I mean, it's a situation where it's just, it's a bad injury hamstrings. You know, we, we talk about the big one ACL and things like that, but hamstrings they're they really linger and they're really tough, you know, especially early on in the season. Uh, so their re-injury rate is high, especially with prior injury history. I mean, Galladay, you're talking about, he missed five games in 2017 with a hamstring, then two games in 2020. You know, let's hope this doesn't bleed into the start of the season. But, you know, I'd be shocked if he played all 17 games. Um, yeah, so, and it really, it's so important to what he does. When Galladay was at his best, he's a deep threat, and he does contested catches. That's his thing. You know, he'll go get you some uh, down the field. But without his hamstrings at 100%, you know, he can't spread down the field and he can't jump off of him. So this is a pretty concerning injury. And, you know, I think that there's potential he's going to get you some good games. There's definitely the big game potential. But I don't think you can rely on him to be your wide receiver number one or wide receiver number two at this point. You know, and that's the frustrating thing about him as well, because he, some people are already saying that he took a step down anyways, going from uh, Detroit to D- Danny Dimes in New York. But, uh, you know, it, I almost felt, and of course now it was golf, right? So who knows? That could have even been a bigger step down. But for Kenny Galladay, everybody knows what he's capable of. And it's frustrating to know that um, when you're a talented player like that, but you can get injured about as easily as he can, uh, you just don't know. So in redraft, you're saying completely stay away, right? As far as wide receiver one and two in redraft, right? Yeah. I mean, where, where you're going to get them, you're just staying away at this point. I mean, if, if by some case he falls, like I've seen him, you know, he's fallen decently amount where you want him to set him up to be a wide receiver three wide receiver four. Like if you have that luxury and maybe you're doing, you know, uh, waiting on the running backs or something like that, I'm okay with taking the shot. I mean, like I said, he still has that potential to have a big game. And, you know, as much flack as Danny Dimes gets, he can throw a pretty decent deep ball. I mean, will he have the time this year to throw it? Who knows? But, you know, I think for most drafts, we're just talking about stay away. Let someone else deal with the problem. Yeah, and if you're still, if you're drafting best ball right now, he's definitely somebody that if he's sticking around there in those late rounds, I'm drafting him in best ball. Because, again, you don't need to know which week he blows up. So that one week that he does blow up, you have him. He's in your roster. You're good to go because he doesn't have to play all 17 weeks for you in a best ball tournament. That's the glory of best ball. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, talking about someone who you could look into potentially, uh, if you're say you do grab Galladay and you want to get yourself a little bit of a safety valve, or you're just looking to capitalize on the situation. I think, uh, Darius Slayton has shown his ability to catch the deep ball for them down in New York. So, I mean, he might be a good option. He's not rostered in many leagues, so if you want to just pick him up on the waiver wire or you know grab him real late, I think that's a solid backup there. I, I wish Slayton hadn't fall off the earth the way he has. Like he was so pumped a couple of years ago, and then just all of a sudden, it was like Darius. Who? I mean, I know Ingram gets all the love over there, but they have some pretty good receivers. They really do. It's just not a matter of they got to show it to everybody, not just to the ones that yeah. watch. So, speaking of having talented receivers, this young man is going to have a a decent stock this year. But the question is, will he be healthy enough to get them the ball? Will he stay healthy enough? And how did his last year's injury affect him going into the 2021 season? We, of course, are talking about Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. Sebastian, walk us through what we're expecting out of Burrow because you have furrowed brows and not necessarily high on him. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, this is unfortunate. You know, this this kid looked great. Uh, that year in LSU coming out, you know, everyone was rooting for him. But this is a tough injury. I mean, this is severe. We're talking about ACL, MCL, and, you know, other structural damage, which usually implies meniscus, that terrible triad. That's a common injury there. So, I mean, this one's tough because this is not only a major severe injury, but it happened pretty late. I mean, he was injured on November 22nd, had the surgery December 2nd. So we're talking about nine and a half months uh, of rehab and time before the first real game. And we know, you know, Zach Taylor has already came out and he's not going to play in the preseason, which I think is smart. But, I mean, oh, I think one thing that's really not getting talked about is the psychological aspect here. I mean, there's been quotes coming out of Bengals camps talking about how he's not felt completely comfortable in the pocket. And to be quite honest, I don't blame the kid. I mean – yeah, they went out and got him a new shiny toy in Jamar Chase, but they they did not do anything to boost his nor anyone else's confidence in this offensive line. I don't think it's really going to be any better. Um, so I, you know, it makes sense that he's like worried about pressure. So I just think quarterback's the most mental position on the field. You got to be sharp. You got to be, you know, uh, locked in. And I I really feel for the kid because he's worried about his knee and running for his life. And then he's got to worry about the defense. So it's tough. So what is the chances, though, of, of him re-aggravating or what kind of hits it going to take for him to to reflare this injury? Or or maybe even will he overcompensate and have another injury because of this? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, less on the – yeah. well, I mean, yeah, ACL tears do come with a high re-injury risk. You know, that's one of the big ones. It's not only to that – that leg but also they found to the other leg because you're so focused on the one that just got injured so that's kind of a little nugget that you know sometimes they'll have injuries to the other side of the leg which is just super unfortunate but uh besides the you know re-injury rate i think something that's also been studied is that sometimes you don't get your mechanics and full movement back till up to two years so i mean you could feel good but if you start comparing some of these you know running backs and quarterbacks from when they were first starting out to a year or two past their, uh, you know, injury, you can still see that they're still not moving correctly and they're not moving exactly like they like to. So, yeah. And it's frustrating for a lot of Bengals fans because they did expect a off an offensive lineman to go in that first round. Everybody was hoping for an offensive lineman to go in the first round. And when you don't protect your quarterback that got injured the year before, I mean, look, you're right. A shiny new toy and Jamar chase, but what good is a toy if you aren't even able to play with it because you're laid up on the sidelines? You know, it's not it's not fun if you can't play. So I don't know. But you're already telling people just to stay away from Joe Burrow altogether because there's just not much there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I it, it definitely Burrow. I wouldn't be taking the risk on as relying on him as my quarterback. Uh, you know, as far as the wide receivers go, I still think that they're going to get a decent amount of play because – that's just going to be what they have, the, the volume there. I mean, I don't, you know, take your pick on which one you like the best. I, I personally think T. Higgins and, you know, Boyd are more reliable than Jamar Chase. But, um, you know, I think that no matter who's at quarterback for them, they're going to get the ball. So I think you can take your pick there, but I would not be drafting Burrow at this time. 
somebody else who people may not draft at all uh, just because they don't want to take advantage. And maybe if you were drafting a month ago, you were definitely taking this guy. Two months ago, you were taking this guy uh, with one of your top few picks because uh, Michael Thomas was going to be, again, that lead man in the New Orleans receiving core. He was going to once again resume that role. I mean, the quarterback notwithstanding, I guess, you have to have a number one receiver, and Michael Thomas can prove has proven that he can be that guy no matter who's throwing him the ball. Uh, now, me, I was a little scared anyways, but I didn't want to take him. But people were, and now... I don't know that anybody can with any certainty other than just leaving him out there on the waiver wire to pick up when he comes back. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a weird situation. Like it has a lot of red flags on it, you know, besides the surgery, just he, he knew last year, I mean, between his uh, ankle injuries, like he knew he had to get this surgery. This was not a thing of like, you know, should he or should he not? I mean, uh, there's reports coming out that he tried to rehab on his own, but, you know, it, most, it was pretty evident that surgery was the way to go. He wound up waiting all the way until June to get it, basically ensuring that he was going to miss some time during the regular season. I mean, this is a four-month recovery, so you're looking at around week four to week seven return if everything goes good. Uh, now, that being said, you know, the – you would expect him to look more like the Michael Thomas that we saw early on uh, because of this surgery. This surgery is going to help him allow him to cut and move and have some trust in the ankle. It's just, are you willing to take that risk with a new quarterback and him not being able to build his chemistry? I mean, there's, there is a lot of red flags. If you know, you're, you're pretty stocked and you want to put him on the, grab him on the waiver wire or just, hold on for the chance that he could help you really throughout the playoffs you can take that risk but you know this is this is a big risk and besides that he's also got a history of uh you know hamstring groin injuries other ankle injuries so it's not like he's been the healthiest receiver to this point yeah and that's the thing about it too if you have michael thomas already then you're holding him i I, to me in my opinion you're holding him because if you if you you paid a pretty price for him so you're gonna hold him and he could very well be that guy that comes back in the last few weeks after he comes back and wins you a championship because he you know if if you're what you're saying about that ankle coming back at 100 percent uh that that gives me hope that i'm gonna have somebody usable especially because we all know that injuries happen all throughout the season anyways and decimate your roster so if you've got a guy waiting in week eight after a week six or seven injury uh, at least you know you can hold on for a couple of weeks until michael thomas comes back and becomes your de facto wide receiver one who's going to be throwing him the ball that is up for grabs uh but like i said before uh he could very well prove to be quarterback proof and and you know come back and win you a championship so uh but that ankle right i mean what what exactly was the deal and why did he need that surgery anyways what was it all about yes and there's there's reports that it might even been multiple surgeries you know so that high ankle sprain is you know that's basically it's above the ankle there's what's called a syndesmosis it's basically a bunch of ligaments that uh hold together your tibia and fibula so the two bones in your leg above your ankle and you know when that kind of starts to split that can be very painful and limits a lot of things and it leaks into the inner part of your uh ankle as well so he basically got all that repaired. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if, like you said, if you have him, definitely hold him because there is a chance that he comes back and can help you late in the year and wins the playoffs. But you cannot be taking him in any of the early rounds at this point. Yeah, definitely not early. If he's sitting there around, I guess, round nine and you're depending on him 
or a backup running back or a third, fourth, fifth running back, then yeah, I think Michael Thomas is the guy to take. Um, speaking of rookies, man, we, we, we're going through a lot of rookies and that's kind of sad because these guys have not even had a chance to really show what they can do. Uh, Rashad Bateman was, was really high on a lot of folks' rosters and a lot of folks' boards coming into the draft. Uh, you know, the, the guy out of Minnesota really good looked good, but now he's sidelined, got that groin and the core muscle injury. So where are we at on Bateman? I know you're out on drafting Bateman, but what, what is, what are we looking at medically for Bateman? Yeah, this is a tough one because he was getting a lot of high praise uh, during training camp and he looked good and apparently, you know, they were building a decent little chemistry there. But yeah, so he had what's called, you know, a groin injury and just, you know, a groin injury is a very much an umbrella term. It could mean different things, you know, could mean something abdominals could, which it did in this case, could mean something with the hips, which, you know, I just put out a DeAndre Swift injury report and, you know, that's more his case. So what happened with him is he had a surgery on his core muscle. So that tells us that it was the abdominals involved, you know, so the surgery uh, in that point, it's going to help repair those guys as well. Um, But when we're talking about the abdominals, you know, now we got to start worrying about when he's stretching out for balls here and catching things and making these sudden movements with his cuts. So they're expecting a six to eight week timeline. Uh, That brings you about week three, week five. But, you know, I think it's going to be tough for a rookie wide receiver. Lamar was out with the COVID sin again in training camp. So how much chemistry do they even have? And uh, I think a big point you got to remember is they've just been a first-round draft pick on this guy. There is no rush in this organization. They do not want to bring him back too early. I mean, they're thinking long-term here. So – I don't think right now this is someone you're going to want to draft yet, but he's not rostered in most leagues right now anyway. So, I mean, this would be someone to keep an eye on maybe if, you know, you're not getting quite the production you want out of your wide receiving core there, but uh, definitely a tough case for the rookie. Is it a guy you can safely cut if you need room on your roster for somebody else, for whatever reason you may need more room and you got him, you drafted him early. Uh, can you safely cut him and, and not even worry about it and, and know that he's going to be there on the, on the waiver wire when you need him again? Yeah, I would. Yes. I, w- I mean, if you need the room, I would cut him because you, you, all we know at this point is that he looked good in training camp. Does he have any that's trade it. value? That that's the thing. Does he have any trade value in? I don't, maybe not necessarily redraft, but in dynasty. Does he have any trade value? He, I mean, he might. Uh, but I mean, you gotta basically find someone who just believes the beat reporter, uh, beat reporters saying that he looked good in practice, and you have to believe that the Ravens are gonna throw the ball. <laughs> I think this is just another reason to just for them to lean on that running game. So I think this helps guys like you know. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, even gives Mark Andrews a boost. I mean, because I just think this is another reason to just have them keep doing what they do well. Yeah. Run the ball, find the tight end. Yeah. And that's the thing too. run the ball. That that's all it seems like the Ravens do anyways. And Lamar is probably going to get about 1500 more carries because he's down another receiver. Cause how much am I trusting Sammy Watkins at this point? Like you have in the article, I'm not trusting Sammy Watkins at all. No. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about another guy later when Hollywood Brown, but I mean, a lot of them are, in, are dealing with their own injury issues as well. Yeah. It's just banged up core and they run the ball anyways. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, any, any wide receiver for the Ravens was almost 
automatically off my board. Uh, I, I was so high on Hollywood Brown last year, so high, and just got so disappointed. But um, all right, let's move on to America's team where Amari Cooper is dealing with an ankle injury. Well, I mean, he did. Now we're coming into the new season, but we're curious as to how that ankle injury is going to factor into his 2021 year, especially because we'll talk about somebody else later on that could impact his fantasy value also. But uh, Amari Cooper, let's set our sights on that. Tell us about his ankle and, and should we not trust him or should we yeah so i mean you you know like you just mentioned he was dealing with a lot of the ankle injuries last year and he actually got the surgery done like a couple days after the season ended so at that point no one thought that this was going to be even a storyline heading into camp it was supposed to be you know more of a cleanup procedure take a bone spur out which is just basically like some uh enlargement of a bone that grows over time you know it's just a stress thing nothing crazy um and Basically, what happened was that there was a setback with his rehab. There was some inflammation, and you know, he now here we are. Maybe he's going to play in this last preseason game. I don't really know. He's got really little practice time. Um, so this was something that should not have been an issue, but now is an issue, which is why it's concerning to me. I mean, clearly that if this was something he was dealing with since January when he got the surgery, I don't know how it's supposed to magically go away for the season. Um, you know, I think also on top of that, he's had a it's extensive injury history with these ankle injuries. And, you know, I just don't think that he's the one you want to trust out of that trio of Cowboys wide receivers. Yeah. And it's tough because you're right. I mean, especially going into the off season where most people were starting to draft in their dynasties in their, uh, you know, in the ones that count for them. Amari Cooper was supposed to be all systems go, right? I mean, this is this is supposed to be a guy that everybody um, everybody was ready for. Everybody was ready to come back. Uh, did I say AJ Cooper? I meant Amari Cooper. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I have him at wide receiver 20. And I, I don't know. And I feel like I'm a little too high because that's wide receiver two territory. You should be at wide receiver one territory for Amari Cooper, right? That That's the guy in Dallas. But unfortunately, I almost feel like, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I have him at 17, so I'm even higher. <laughs> I should I should really, oh, yeah, I should really uh, work on moving him down. Where do because, you have uh, C.D. Lamb? Where do I have C.D. Lamb? C.D. Lamb is, for me, uh, looks like he's after, oh, man, where do I have C.D. Lamb? That's that's bad. We have him way down there, don't we? Yeah, I can't even find him. Oh no, there he goes. I have him at twenty. So I have I have okay. C D Lamb at twenty, Amari Cooper at seventeen. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean this well, another little nugget here that, you know, not only is he obviously battling for that target share, but he usually plays at about two twenty five. And, you know, he's been reported to come in at more 210, 215 this year. Mm. So he's playing down 10 to 15 pounds. And he's saying, you know, that's because, um, you know, he wants to be faster and all these different things and yada, yada, yada. But, like, he's taking a guy who is essentially injury prone at this point and, you know, has had this history with injuries. And now you're going to lose 10, 15 pounds of muscle. Like, I, that's, that's also another concerning factor to me that, He's got a battle for this target share. He's coming off this injury that is clearly lingering for him. And now he's going to play down 10 or 15 pounds. That's just, that's not who I'm trusting out of that trio. Yeah, there's other receivers, I suppose, that you could be taking around there. I mean, look, for me, there's Adam Thielen. Would you even take Adam Thielen over Amari Cooper at this point? I mean, you know, Thielen, Thielen, 
Yeah, I probably would. Honestly, I mean, I'm definitely taking CeeDee Lamb before him. And honestly, I would even consider taking Gallup before Cooper at this point. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, those are two usable names. Uh, I would take Julio Jones over him too as well. So that's just where I sit. Uh, But yeah. All right. Five down. Six because of the bonus. Five down, five to go. (laughs) We're going to step away, uh, pay some bills. And when we come back, we got the last five. uh, Having some fun here talking to the doc, the fantasy football doc here at the SGPN. Coming back with five more. I'm pretty sure I don't have to ask this question anymore because I know the answer. So guess what? You are ready to win and boost your odds because WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing you the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. You get exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. You can get in on all your favorite teams, all your favorite players, your sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and so much much more great promos odds and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports we have what you need to win are you ready to play I know you are. Sign up today. Receive a special offer. It is a risk-free $500 sports bet. Download BetWin. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Of course, we're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Football season literally about to kick off. We are so close. And PropSwap is here to make this your best season ever. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't even need to win. How many times can you hear that? doesn't even need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. For example, Trey Lance opened 300 to one to win the MVP this year and has already been bet down to 75 to one. A couple of preseason games will go a long way to that, right? That means that if you bet $100 on Trey Lance back in May, you could sell that ticket on PropSwap today for $400. That's a 300% return before the season even starts. You can make 300 bucks before the season even kicks off. So look, think of PropSwap like the stock market, but for sports betting. You buy Buy low, you sell high. The average seller on PropSwap makes over $500 per month just listing and selling tickets. And of course, when making your bets, remember to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team or player so you can sell one for a profit and keep one to leave yourself some skin in the game. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. PickWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks, props, and parlays helmed by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatics giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction for every game, every day, and every sport all for free. Visit PickWise.com to make your next pick better. PickWise backs responsible gambling. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You are a... Just avid. I know you are an avid prop picker. Well, guess what? You can turn those picks into real cash with prize picks. It is my favorite daily fantasy app. It's fast and it's easy and it all starts with prize picks. Simply pick two to five players and decide if they will go over or under their stat projections. The more you pick, the more you can win. Up to 10 times your money. Prize picks is the only way I play. And in fact, I am looking right now at three picks that I am loving for week one of the NFL season. Christian McCaffrey, 
over 80.5 rushing yards. That is a simple, simple over. I'm telling you right now, he's going to crush it. He is going to come out of the gate and kill week one. He's ready to go. Uh, the next one I'm looking at, Dalvin Cook, over 94.5 rushing yards. I love Dalvin Cook. Again, he's going to be amped up, ready to get out of the gate quick and over 94. He's going to get 100 yards. That's an easy, easy over for me. And then, of course, my man, Derek Henry the King, over 99.5 rushing yards. How can you bet against this guy going under 100 yards? I, I can't. So definitely a 100-yard game for Derek Henry, maybe even 200. That's what I'm looking at. So, uh, of course, always, as always, use our promo code SGP. You're going to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's right. You didn't hear that wrong. It's 100% instant deposit match up to $100. We'll match it up to 100 bucks. That's how good we are here at the SGP. That's Prize Picks promo code SGP. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart pounding drama from CBS Sports, including UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italian Serie A, Argentina's Primera División, the Brasilia AO, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers, featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexicans men's national teams, plus much more. It's the best of the beautiful game with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rapino, and Pulisic. Be a part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. Visit Paramount+, Plus to start your free trial and stream every match live. Make sure you head over to underdogfantasy.com and use our promo code SGPN for a free $25. That's right. Sign up now and get a free shot at $1 million. So download the app and sign up at underdogfantasy.com promo code SGPN. As always, the SGPN app is live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all of our picks and our podcasts. Don't forget, toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. Back for more here at the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rod Gomez, joined by the fantasy football doc of the SGPN, Sebastian Ferron. Sebastian, hitting it hot and heavy with these injuries, and there's a lot of them to go. Uh, I think, I feels like this year there's a lot more than there have been in the past, uh, but maybe that's just because I'm paying closer attention. But these are ones that people got to have on their radar, right? If they're going into drafting this weekend, you got to know who to stay away from and not to be that guy to pick the guy that just got injured. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Speaking of somebody that got injured, this guy, man, I don't know if he can ever catch a break. You go from the Eagles to the Colts to getting hurt. Uh, but now as we go into draft season, there's some encouraging news. I say with Carson Wentz, what are we looking at Sebastian? No. Yeah. I mean, this one I'm actually, you know, excited to talk about because, I can be optimistic. I feel like I've been the bearer of bad news uh, for a lot of these guys. So, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously not the best case scenario. Obviously, we'd love for him not to be injured, but he did have a foot surgery there uh, on, what was that, August 2nd. So the surgery, you know, it's not too common, but, you know, it's not unheard of. Basically, uh, what they did is they needed to remove a piece of a bone. Um, that was, you know, growing in there, likely like they everyone's heard from a high school school or previous injury uh, now the big thing that i'm you know when i first heard about this i was like ah no way he starts week one i don't know about this uh but 
the big thing is with the surgery, they did not find any complications or nothing attached to the bone. So there was kind of two things, you know, the first thing that wind up happening was you go in, you take out the bone, it's a small fragment, there's no muscle, ligament, tendon, anything attached to it, which is what happened. There was nothing attached to it. Now, if there was something that was attached to it, you know, that's when we're looking at closer to that three month rehab. But now with the small bone being taken out, all, you know, once that heals, which, you know, it has now that he's up and moving, it's pretty much as tolerated as far as rehab goes. So you, we've all seen the videos of him kind of, you know, running around and throwing. And at this point, he's still got three weeks to week one. So I'm pretty optimistic that, you know, if not by week one, at least by week two or definitely by week three, that uh, Wentz is going to be back. Okay, so Wentz is back, but what does that really mean? Like, are, where are we taking him? Where Where do you feel comfortable taking him? Where is this something that could get re-injured? Like, what, what are we doing with this Wentz news now? Yeah, I mean, so I was never really that high on Wentz as fantasy quarterback. I had to go back and look at the numbers. And, you know, he did, other than take out these last two years, and he, he wasn't a bad fantasy quarterback. He was actually pretty good, uh, especially in this Frank Wright system, which he is happily welcoming back. So, um you know, I, there is, as far as re-injury risk goes, there's little to no increased re-injury risk because of this. The bone's out of there. Uh, that's kind of why they chose to go with the surgery um, instead of just trying to play it out. So as far as that goes, you know, I don't think that this should cause them issues moving forward. Now, um, I mean, I would more take this as good news for other guys that I'd be looking at, like, you know, someone like Pittman or, you know, Jack Doyle or Mo Ali Cox, if you want to go the tight end route. I don't know if I would have been picking Wentz without this injury. So, I, you know, I can't say I'm going to go advise you to go draft him and he's going to have a crazy year because I don't think he needs to for this team to be good. They have a really good defense that can be a good offensive line that can run the ball. You know, I, I don't think he needs to put up crazy numbers. Yeah, I'm not putting him in the top 12. I'm like, I'm not moving him above guys like Burrow or Cousins or Brady or Prescott even. Well, maybe Prescott, but I still wouldn't even like Baker Mayfield, like who's sitting right outside, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's in my 15. Like I wouldn't put him in that same conversation with those guys right now. So yeah, you're not drafting him as a starting quarterback. You're drafting him for depth and maybe a bi-week replacement at this point. And, and even though he's starting... Possibly, right? All signs maybe point to him starting. Uh, he's still not somebody that I'm going to be starting starting in my week one, even if he does start. So um, good news for him on the injury front, but I don't know that I'm even really drafting him at all. So yeah, too many, too many question marks besides the injury to really be confident in drafting him. Yeah. I mean, just overall, I don't know. I still haven't seen it from Carson Wentz to make me all gushy and mushy. So, um, but somebody that we all are all gushy and mushy about, and I don't know, again, I'm still holding out. I know his talent. I know when he's right, he's right. And he is exactly in the conversation of a top three pick, but Saquon Barkley, man, I mean, He's got me a little gun shy. I, I know you're a Giants fan. You've just self-reclaimed the Giants fan. So this is going to hurt you. But what about Saquon Barkley? What are we looking at right now? Yeah, I mean, so this is this, essentially the same injury that we just talked about with Joe Burrow, where he's got the ACL, MCL, meniscus tear all to that right knee. Now, and I mean, those are all big major stabilizers to the knee. So this is a big injury. You know, um, and he actually, he got hurt on September 20th of last year and he wanted, because of COVID and everything and the doctor, it was the Los Angeles uh, Dodgers and their doc over there. He didn't get the surgery until October 30th. 
So this makes the timeline makes a little more sense why he's not, you know, completely ready at this point. Um, but my expectations for Saquon is I think he's going to have a good year, definitely a better second half of the year than first half. I'm not going to say he's going to have a great, crazy year. I can't, you know, it's just too much data and evidence against coming back from a major injury and just, you know, being, you know, everyone looks at the Adrian Peterson example. And I mean, that's not really an, ex it's an example, but it's an outlier. Like, I mean, Adrian Peterson is, you know, he's, he's a freak athlete. He did something that not many people, if anyone's going to be able to recreate as far as having his best season after that injury. And people are drafting Saquon as if he's going to be the guy that wins them the league. So, I mean, there's a lot of hope that people are putting in Saquon Barkley and, and being able to bounce back from that injury. So if I'm hearing you correctly, I'm hearing you say that you temper those expectations, but are you, are you telling, I'm not saying are you telling, but are you advising people to maybe not necessarily jump after him with those top three picks? And is there anybody that you would look at instead of Saquon with those first three picks? It, depending, of course, I mean, assuming, of course, that CMC is gone and, and now you're debating on whether they're going like maybe Elliott or Barkley or, um, you know, anybody in that range right there. I mean, yeah, I don't, you can't, uh, as much as I love him and I hope he has an amazing year as a Giants fan, you cannot take him in your top first three picks. That is just, you can't do it right now. I mean, I'm CMC obviously is going before Cook, Henry. I mean, I'm not very high on, um, as far as Elliot, you know, Z, uh, Zeke, I, I just don't see it from him. Uh, but that's more of me being off of the Cowboys offense. Um, but I think Barkley anywhere in the like, geez, maybe the 10 to 15 range. That's reasonable. If you're going to get them there. I mean, there's a lot of people who, like you said, have super crazy unrealistic expectations. So, I mean, you just have to be comfortable with not getting Saquon unless you're at the end of round one or the really beginning part of round two. Yeah, I mean, I've got Saquon right now as running back five. And to me, I feel like, you know, guys like Aaron Jones, I could I could be okay with you taking a guy like Aaron Jones over Saquon. Um, I mean, I've got him eighth overall. So if he's there at pick eight at the back end of that round uh, of the first round, you know, just before the turn, then I think I'm comfortable doing that. Yeah, I mean, his ceiling is just so high. We just, I mean, we saw his rookie year and even the year after where he was dealing with a little bit of injury, like, he, he can just do everything out of the backfield. And I mean, he can be a giant piece, but you know, all reports from the giants are also that they're going to wean him back in and, you know, they're not going to give him a full workload on week one. So I just don't get your expectations too high. Again, I think he'll have a good year. Just maybe not a crazy great year. Well, I know that the, the next guy we're going to talk about all hopes were that he was coming back full guns a blazing and uh maybe we need to slow the wagon down for Dak Prescott because uh there are a lot of disturbing reports out there right now about his progress and maybe a couple of setbacks in that department so what can you tell me about Dak Prescott yeah I mean absolutely this was tough we all watched you know that gruesome injury with the ankle I mean you know you gotta root for a guy to come back from that and have a good year unfortunate um that he's running into well yeah so this is a lat strain uh, it's a muscle that connects all the way from your hips, all the way up to the front of your shoulder, through your back. So, you know, um, this is a more common baseball injury. So I'm sure you've heard reports about the Cowboys reached out to the Rangers and the Yankees trainers to kind of see, like, how to deal with this because it's not too common of a football one. But basically, you know, 
I what happens with this is when you see an increase in stress or you see an increase in volume or basically number of throws or throwing power is when you get this injury, like dramatic. So, you know, Prescott had a very unprecedented and unusual extended time off due to this ankle injury in week five. It didn't really allow him to train or prep his throwing arm as he usually does. I mean, this is probably the first time in his like his life really since he th started throwing a football that he couldn't go through his normal process. So, you know, I'm not super surprised that this happened, but it is an unfortunate one because with really a lot of these muscle strains, you got to be careful. This is something that can definitely linger. You saw they got the second MRI. It shows it's healing, but it's not healed. So I really, you know, I think that the risk for re-injury is there. I don't think that this is like, you know, if you're high on Dak, okay. I don't, I'm not saying you definitely don't draft him, but I think this has got to raise some question marks as, you know, they said this was a minor thing and now we're looking at him not playing the preseason. The first snap he's going to take is against Devont, uh, Devin White and Levante David of the champion Buccaneers. So that's going to be tough. Well, so I have him as QB9, right? He's a back-end QB1. Uh, I'm definitely not the lowest on him as we've got Sean Green 19th, but that's just because he hates the Cowboys. Uh, but, I mean, the consensus somewhere is, is it 12, 10, you know, definitely the lower end of that QB1 tier. So, you know, he's as high as five for Jeremy. Um you know, so again, with this news and with this, he may slip down to that 12 range for me. I mean, I may move guys like Tom Brady over him. I may move Kirk Cousins over him. But you're right. I mean, the, the thing about Dak Prescott is that we know, again, we know what the talent is. We know what he can be when he's right. But unfortunately, if, if you're going to slip into injuries... That, that puts it in the back of your head, and you're going to take a guy like Kirk Cousins who doesn't get injured quite as much, right? Because he's not quite as mobile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it goes into kind of that risk versus reward. Like you were saying, Like he, I mean, he was off to a historic start last year. He was looking great, and I don't think the Cowboys did much. You know, they got Parsons, uh, Michael Parsons, but I don't think they did much to sure up that defense, so I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. So, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you, if you believe that, you know, he's going to return to that form. Personally, you know, I got some reservations on if he's going to be able to do that, you know, dealing with this lat strain and, you know, worrying about the ankle. Like, I, I think it's going to be tough, but I, I, you know, you wouldn't be crazy if you thought he was your QB1. I just don't wouldn't waste too much uh, draft capital really getting him. Yeah, and I think players nowadays are really cognizant of how much time they actually have in the league. And now with all of the injury, the post-playing injuries, making headlines, I, I think they think a little more about what lies afterwards. And it kind of affects their comebacks and affects their, their gameplay. You know, you guys... Not everybody's an Alex Smith that can come full bore. And you saw that even Alex Smith rode that out for one good season and then rode in the sunset. So, um, you know, gone are the days where these guys would come back from grizzly injuries and just plow ahead. You know, these guys are thinking a lot more uh, through the rest of their career and not just what happens uh, on the field and in between the hash marks. So, um, yeah, I mean, with Dak Prescott, that could very well be it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, yeah, he's in a tough situation. I mean, like you said, this is quote-unquote America's team. Like, he's got, this team has crazy high expectations, like they usually do. They have a bad defense, and, you know, he's not 100%. Like, I just think there's a lot, the odds are stacked up against him, uh, you know, but he does have the potential, like he showed, to be a great quarterback. Just think that he's got a lot of variables working against him right now. 
I concur. Well, we talked about uh, another one of the receivers earlier in the program, but we're going to circle back to the Ravens because, well, they're just all sorts of a mess right now. And <laughs> we need to talk about the guy who is the number one receiver in uh, Baltimore or could be or could not be. Uh, who knows at this point? Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. Tell me about uh, what's what's in Hollywood right now there, Sebastian. Yeah, I mean, downtime's in Hollywood right now. He's he's dealing with a bit of a hamstring injury, similar to Galladay. You know, like we've talked about, these are tough. These are, I think they were found to be, what, the most burdensome or most lingering injuries in all of the NFL. So, I mean, anytime you got a hamstring injury, especially with a guy like him who has a prior injury history, it's it's not a good sign. Uh, it's he got injured on the 29th of July, and it was originally thought to be mild, and then Coach Harbaugh comes out and said it's a bigger problem, which means that there's more damage to the hamstring. That's essentially what it means. I mean, with these strains, the more time these guys have off equals the more structural damage that's going on. Now, of course, in the preseason, offseason, they can be a little bit more conservative and do the proper rehab and take the time. But, uh, I mean, he is still not returned at this point to practice. I haven't seen any reports of him being there. Um, and, you know, similar to Galladay and him being a deep threat and he really relies on his speed, that is so hamstring heavy as far as getting the power for that. So if his hamstrings aren't right, I mean, it's just he can't do much. You know, some of these possession receiver guys, you know, I always think of like a Brandon Marshall or someone like that. They can kind of get through some of these hamstrings a little bit easier. But someone like him or Deshaun Jackson where they're just really a flyer, it's going to be tough without the hamstrings working as well as they can. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say too, because uh, you got a guy like Brown who is known basically just as a guy who can run that go route and, and literally do some damage deep. And that's, that's really what you know Brown as you don't know him as a guy that can cut up the middle and, and catch those passes. He's normally just a guy that, Lamar Jackson winds up and throws to as deep as possible. And yeah, you can't get separation on safeties and corners if you uh, if you have problems with your hamstrings. So what are we doing with this as far as drafting Brown? Because you got to draft somebody from that pass catching core, I think, from Baltimore at some point. Somebody's going to catch that ball and they're going to be fantasy relevant. Is it just Andrews or what? I mean, what are we looking at now? Yeah, I mean, geez, you're really like, yeah, I you're pretty much just playing blind darts at that point. I mean, uh, with these receiving core, I mean, other than Watkins, I know he's a little bit banged up, but he seems to be the least banged up out of all the top guys. Uh, you know, I can't trust Hollywood Brown at this point uh, just because he's his first two seasons, he's dealt with injuries. I mean, you know, he's had some production, but he's not lived up to that hype at this point. So him already going into the year, having to deal with this, he, it wouldn't be uh, him for me. Uh, you know, I think Watkins would probably be the safest option, but I mean, he's new to Lamar um, as well. So I, I don't, I can't really trust many of these uh, Ravens wide receivers really outside of Andrews, Dobbins and Gus Edwards. I, I don't know. And Lamar, obviously, I don't know if I'm drafting uh, Ravens patch catcher this year. You know what I think the the Ravens should end up doing, and this is the take a page out of the the team that plays a little farther north up there in West Point. Just turn themselves into a triple option team, man. Just literally pound the ball, right? I mean, honestly, I don't even understand these reports of trying to throw the ball more. Why? You're so good at running the ball, and you have a great defense, and no one can stop. Like anytime Lamar runs the ball, it's basically a pass because no one knows what's going to happen. So 
I mean, hey, I, I get it. They, they're just trying to uh, help the, uh, feed into the media, whatever, help become more of a well-rounded team. But I say you just, yep, run the ball. <laughs> Triple option, baby. Triple option. Seen it work all the time in West Point. I'm, I'm ready for it in Baltimore. So uh, somebody who would not work well, I think, in the triple option is... <laughs> The guy we're going to talk about to round out our ta- our 10 uh, players of injury notes is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the poor guy. Just, I, again, one of those guys that I don't think could catch a break. I think he went to the wrong team in the first place in the Chiefs as they never seem to use their running back correctly. Uh, but, you know, again, more questions surrounding him heading into the season. What what can you tell us about CEH? Yeah, I mean, he's the, he's the newest guy on this list as far as, you know, his injury just happened in the second preseason game. I think it was the 20th of August. So, you know, and they're really, they've been pretty hush-hush about it at this point. Andy Reid's came out and called it a slight sprain. He said it doesn't look like a high ankle sprain, which, uh, you know, uh, Edwards Hilaire dealt with last year, which is always a concern. Um, but at this point, it's one of those things where, you know, obviously if you have him, you're keeping him on your roster. If you, you know, are going to be drafting this weekend, you really want to be looking out for some news over the next couple of days because it's something where, you know, it could be something like a, a slight inversion sprain or slight ankle sprain where we've all rolled our ankles before, you know, he's got three weeks, he'll be fine. But what is concerning to me, other than his injury history from last year, is that it was reports that it was on the inside of his knee. Typically, when we talk about a low ankle sprain or just, a, you know, when you roll your ankle, it's on the outside of your knee. You roll it when it comes in. You know, that's kind of what happens because those ligaments are weaker. So that's a common injury. The ones on the inside of your knee, that's not really the case. Those are some pretty strong, um, you know, ligaments. Uh, that's kind of what uh, Michael Thomas dealt with, where someone rolls up on the outside of your foot. Now, you know, your foot's getting pushed down and some of those ligaments are starting to tear. So that takes that's a little more concerning because it takes a lot more force to injure some of those inside ligaments. So, you know, that's why it was kind of on my radar once I saw that there's Holland. They were saying it was the inner part of his ankle. Um, you know, for Chiefs fans, let's hope that it's nothing or Reed was just misspoken as far as you know he meant to say the outside. But uh, this this is on my radar because of his injury history and them calling it an inside ankle sprain. They're missing them some Le'Veon Bell now, aren't they? I mean, yeah, because, you know, they do, they are, you know, if any team's going to be a running back by committee, it's going to be the Chiefs just because Andy Reid's offensive style and, you know, it's a plug-in offense. But, you know, you look at guys like Darrell Williams, Jarek McKinney, and, you know, Williams himself is dealing with a little bit of concussion right now. So that's definitely something you want to keep an eye on before you go drafting him. Uh, McKinnon, they got some, like, other guys in there. So, But uh, outside of Edwards Hilaire, I you know, I don't really see many Chiefs running backs being drafted. Uh, if you want to take a chance on Williams, because, you know, he's, he's he will get some work. And if uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire does miss some time, you know, he'll be the guy to fill in there. But outside of uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I, I can't really trust anyone in this uh, running back room. So I think you just you just got to wait and see what comes out further for him. So my thing is this. If Jarek McKinnon is there and and if he's there, like for me, I normally take kickers and defenses in the last two rounds. Right. That's that's how it usually is. So whatever the last two rounds are that you have, if he is sitting there in the round before you take your defenses and kickers and he's there for you, I I would grab him. Jarek McKinnon 
can catch passes, and we all know the Chiefs' affinity for actually swinging the ball out to their running backs more often than not. And we didn't see a lot of that from CEH last year, right? He wasn't the guy that was catching all those passes. But McKinnon can. And if the Chiefs have somebody that can actually run that route and 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 catch those passes, Andy Reid may actually load him up a little more if he does not have Clyde Edwards-Alaire in his toolbox. So that could be a sneaky pickup for you, um, especially if he does bust out in week one with a pretty good game with a lot of catches and a lot of points. Um, because now you've got a guy that as long as CEH is on the bench um, can actually produce for you in a PPR league. So I, I don't know for me, McKinnon, if he's sitting there and, and nobody's going to touch him, I'll take a chance on him as a last bench spot just to see if he hits as a lottery ticket. I think that's, yep, I think that's the guy that you would take him as your sleeper pick right there because, I mean, yeah, even uh, Daryl Williams is dealing with a bit of a concussion right now, so you're going to take the guy that's healthy and proven that he can be a pass catcher out of the backfield, so I, I love that take. Absolutely, and you should because this is my shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we have reached the end of the list. Sebastian, man, you have stepped into this role, and I, I think we are lucky to have uh, a brilliant mind like yours to talk about some injury notes and uh, just break it all down for us, man. And we're just so thrilled to have you on board. So I'll sing your praises, and, and everybody needs to go check you out. But tell them, tell the people where they can find you on social media and on our lovely website yeah absolutely well first off i mean rod thanks for having me on it's been a blast uh yeah i'm hopefully you know this is the start of something that, uh, that's really gonna work out this year and we can keep breaking down these injuries and getting some value for your fantasy and your sports gambling picks there uh but yeah right now i am on twitter uh at sgp uh, let me start <laughs> at sgpn football doc uh, that's how new the Twitter is. I'm still learning that hat hand in there. Uh, you know, uh, but yeah, my co- name comes up, Sebastian Furon, and uh, those will be most of my takes. I'm doing some injury threads. I just put one out today on uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, another guy we didn't talk about because you know it's just crept up. But Jamal Williams, I'd look at him right now. He's looking pretty good. But um, yeah, so that's my Twitter handle, and then I'll be writing some articles over there on the page. Absolutely. Again, check him out. He's fire. Well, we just met him, but doggone it, we can't live without him already. So, uh, all right. Thanks, Sebastian. And thank you to, uh, you know, just breaking all this stuff down for us as I move away from the microphone like a professional really does. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for joining the show. Thank you for listening. We hope that we have given you enough draft ammo to go into your fantasy football drafts, hopefully this weekend, uh, much smarter than your friends and uh, that you know better that when they stick somebody like Marquise Brown on the board, you can chuckle at him and tell him, hey, <laughs> good luck with him this season. <laughs> Again, for Sebastian and for everybody here at the SGPN, we want to thank you for listening. And until next time, let it ride. Feel me, so